Hello, boys and girls of the credit union community, and welcome to episode three of the CU Insight Experience, our podcast. My name is Randy Smith. I am one of the co-founders and the publisher of CUinsight.com, and it is my job on the show to bring you the best and the brightest from around credit union land to the movers, the shakers, the people that are changing and pushing our movement forward. And today's show is no exception. I'm so excited to have our guest today, Mr. Dan Berger, the president and CEO of NAFQ. From my previous interactions with Dan, I knew we were going to have a blast. He has a just a very engaging, awesome personality, and the show did not disappoint. We talked about everything from NAFQ's priorities for 2019 and priorities for credit union growth in 2019 specifically. We talked about advocacy, how Washington's changed since Dan's time there. From there, we moved on to management and life hack leadership type issues. Dan runs a leadership blog, so he had a lot of great information there. I was really looking forward to that part of the conversation. We wrapped it all up as we always do with the rapid fire questions. And if you stick around till the very end, you'll even find out what the B stands for and be Dan Berger. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Dan Berger. Enjoy. Dan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. Hey, I'm glad to be here anytime. This is my very first podcast. I'm like being real hip here. So, <laughs> Well, we appreciate being your first podcast, being one of our first guinea pigs as well. <laughs> Anyways, I want to just jump right into it. With the dysfunction in Washington, has it made the job tougher? Yeah, that has made things a little bit tougher from the standpoint of getting some real things moving and moving forward on behalf of the credit union industry. Probably the silver lining in all this from an advocacy standpoint is the fact if nothing happens negative to the industry, that's a win too. So if you're looking for that silver lining, that's it. You don't have to worry about the bankers uh, going after a tax exemption or some of the other you know bad actors out there, predatory lenders trying to do some things. It's a pretty good balanced approach, but from a proactive standpoint, it does make things a little bit more difficult. I can only imagine. Uh, recently, just in the past week or so, you published an article on CU Insight about the top advocacy issues for credit union growth in 2019. What's most important for credit unions the way that you see it? Well, it's a, a lot of things. We use a multi-pronged attack here in what's going on. We're really focused on you know, advocacy, that's our job number one. People join NAFQ for advocacy. We do only three things here at NAFQ. We do advocacy, education and training, and compliance assistance. That's it. But advocacy is number one. It's number one for a reason. So we're really focused on a couple things. First and foremost is data security. Second is data security. And third is data security. And then there's some reg relief issues and some more powers and authorities that we're looking at. But we're also looking at uh, to play a little defense, too. Uh, the bankers, again, are on Capitol Hill, they just sent a letter up again today attacking credit unions. And so we do this rapid response, and we have responded to uh, Congress, you know, responding to that letter that went up to Congress. And so advocacy is nonstop. So what we try to do is just we're always doing it. We're always focused on it. Yesterday, we were at the CFPB. Yesterday, I met with leader Mitch McConnell for a couple of hours. Day before that, we were at Treasury. A couple of weeks before uh, Christmas, we had a meeting at the Federal Reserve with the NAFQ board. We're on Capitol Hill every single day. And so it just advocacy is 24-7, 365, and that's what we do. You're saying advocacy is every day. That was a question that I had kind of a little bit further down my list, but it plays right into it. We think of the big wins. We think of the big fights. But what does NAFQ do 
every single day for credit unions. Just like I said, we put ourselves in, in front of the decision makers and the policy makers and the elected officials every single day. We have meetings on Capitol Hill every day. We have NAFQ lobbyists meeting with members of Congress and their staff every day. We're meeting with the leaders in both the House and the Senate. We meet with the folks at the White House. We were just at the White House not too long ago. Again, we meet with all these decision makers, whether it's the NCUA, CFPB, and that's what we do day in and day out. And we have a passion for it. We truly love NAFQ members, and, and my colleagues at NAFQ do such a wonderful job. But it all starts, quite frankly, with the NAFQ board of directors. The men and women make decisions that are in the best interest of NAFQ members in the credit union industry, and everything flows from that. I've heard you say this before, that working on behalf of credit unions is personal at NAFQ. What does that mean to you? I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, and I've been a member of Campus Credit Union down there since I was nine years old. Gave me my first auto loan when I was 16. And so I've been passionate about credit unions. My parents used the credit union. My mom, who's 84 now, still does. So that passion is there. It's rooted. They helped me. They helped my family. Uh, but I see all the good they do in their communities. So it's passion. Uh, our mission, we have a mission statement here at NAFQ, and it's to strengthen credit unions. Okay, that's it, to strengthen credit unions. And behind that are our values. Our values is to be member-driven, to be passionate, and to really focus on being excellent. We really focus on excellence. And so all those three things, it brings out the passion that we have. And so we work really hard in focusing all our advocacy efforts with that type of passion. Uh, stick with the excellence there. What do you view as the greatest strength of your team that you manage at NAPCU? I think it's not just having the skill sets and lobbying. A lot of people have the skill set and the networks and the contacts on Capitol Hill or within the administration to get a meeting and, and things along those lines. But it's also having the attitude and, and the aptitude. Here at NAFQ, we have what we call the no jerk policy. And so we <laughs> hire people for attitude and aptitude. You want people that genuinely like people, that genuinely like credit unions and, and our members. And so that passion, you see it. And you'll see it from you know top to bottom. They, they care about the members. Internally, we call it extreme member service. And so God forbid you get lost in our phone tree here at NAFQ. The young lady in the mailroom can help you as much as I can. And so top to bottom, left to right, we work really hard in, in really enforcing that extreme member service. And they do it with passion. My colleagues do such an amazing job. And so it all focuses in and having that passion and that, that excellence day in and day out. We're known for our responsiveness. You send me an email or give me a phone call, you get responded to immediately. And it's the same uh, throughout the building. That's pretty cool. We were just looking at, at our office last week. We were putting a bunch of the NAPQ events into the calendar and see you insight. And you guys have a lot going on in 2019. Are there topics that credit unions want information? Are there a few topics that when you look out at your events calendar for this year that from an education standpoint, information standpoint, that credit unions are kind of craving at this point in time? It's nothing new. It's the same that we hear year in and year out. If you talk to credit union CEOs, they're telling us every single day, I need tools to grow. I need new powers and authorities so my credit union can grow. I need more lending so we can grow. Membership growth so we can grow. So our entire focus from an education and training standpoint really focuses on that seed of growth. That's what we talk about. That's the, a lot of the content that you see at our conferences, whether it's our board of directors conference or CEOs and senior executives conference, all these conferences that we have, the underlying theme is grow. We're going to try to help you grow. And so that's what we focus on all year long with our conferences.
I'll throw a question in that I just started thinking about here recently in the past few days that goes along with the credit union growth is, are there any current beliefs held by credit unions today that you think will change significantly over the next few years? Nothing really major, but I think a lot of it from a belief standpoint, that core belief being not-for-profit financial institutions, being you know volunteer boards, being member-driven, that's not going to go away. That core belief that credit unions have, they've developed incredible trust that the banks will never have, that fintech will never have. And so to maintain that trust is going to be really important. But at the same time, you have to do what the membership wants. The members want access to their money. And it's, it's like having your watch. But people go in, you go to Whole Foods, you can pay for it. That's the stuff that I think uh, credit really need to look at is having that technology necessary for uh, members to have access to their money and to make sure that credit union uh, account or the credit union debit card or credit card is at top of mind. So it's on top of wallet. It's convenient and it's right there. So you don't have to carry all those credit cards anymore. I have it on my watch or I have it on my smartphone. And so credit unions more and more are embracing that technology because members want access to their money and they want to be able to pay for things relatively frictionless. I actually think that technology can be the great equalizer. And I think we've seen a switch in fintech where instead of them wanting to go directly to the customer or the member, they're like, that's tough. Maybe we can partner with people. There are more marriages there that can happen. No, I agree, Randy. So from a standpoint, it's even more important now. We have NAFQ Services here, corporation at NAFQ, and they have these incredible partners that will help bridge that gap with technology. So to have those kind of partnerships to give them the opportunity to have that type of technology is extremely important and more and more beginning to do that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. That's for sure. If we were to sit down a year from now, what's NAFQ's biggest win or what are you most proud of? We're sitting down in 2020, let's just say. NAFQ's biggest win for 2019, I think we would really like to see a, a data security bill get passed uh, that holds the, the merchants and retailers accountable for all these breaches you see almost seemingly every day that's going on. They need to be held to the same standards uh, that we do as financial institutions. We would like to see that bill passed. And of course, victory also would be fighting off anything that's thrown at us, whether it's CRA reform or tax exemption, something like that with the bankers going on the attack in playing some strong defense. That CRA reform is so interesting because it's kind of what credit unions do anyways, right? Like it's built into the fabric of us. That's exactly right. And you have to go back to the history of CRA is it was put in place on banks because they were predatory lenders. They were taking money out of communities. They were redlining. So it was a punitive measure. Credit unions have never been redlining, ever. And so why would you subject them to another layer of regulation that's unnecessary and extremely costly? It's an unnecessary component at this time. I want to kind of switch directions a little bit here and talk about leadership and kind of these life hacks. First question, what was it about credit unions that inspired you to take the job as the CEO and president of NAPCU? Well, first and foremost, it's the members and it's the credit union industry and how they help members, how they help their communities. That's different. We are the white hat folks in, in the financial services arena. That matters to me. You're not lobbying guns or alcohol. I'm lobbying for credit unions. And we just have a different mission and different belief system, a different value system. That was important to me. And so when I had the opportunity to become CEO, not only do we have a great industry and a great membership at NAFQ, I have an incredible board of directors and the men and women that make up that board do a wonderful job taking some very difficult positions. They see it through the filter of, and this is how they talk in board meetings, by the way, the NAFQ board sits there and goes, how is this going to affect that man and woman running that credit union? 
How's it going to affect that institution? And so those are the positions they take, whether it's legislation or rules that are about to be promulgated. That's how my board looks at things. And so how could you not want to be part of that? <laughs> Sounds like a fun gig, right? Has the inspiration changed with time on the job? The inspiration has not. The seriousness has, because you see credit unions almost one a day going away. And it's a combination of factors. First and foremost, of course, the regulatory burden. It's expensive. I mean, a credit union is lucky to have one compliance officer, maybe two. Some of the smaller ones actually share a compliance officer, where Bank of America may have 250 or 300 compliance officers. But those, all those compliance officers at the credit unions need to understand the 20,000 pages of rules the same as those 250 compliance officers that the larger banks need to have. So that's a huge burden. But, you know, technology costs. Technology is not inexpensive. So back to your original point, it's important that credit unions partner with FinTech for the mobile banking, for their online banking, with companies like Q2 and others. It's just real important to have that kind of relationship with the FinTech folks that are out there. And, of course, there's competition. There's competition from the banks, community banks, regional banks, FinTech, other credit unions. So all those pressures, it's a very difficult environment. So the issues that we deal with on a daily basis, I think have become even more important and more serious over the years. How has Washington changed since your time there? Well, I, I've been here since 2002, and I've been lobbying for almost 30 years now in, in the financial services space. It, it has become more, more polarized. And, and I think a lot of that is from, if you look back in the, in the history of it all, I think a lot of it has to do with the state legislatures and, and then do, drawing the congressional lines. There was a time, if you remember, congressional districts were 51-49 or 45-55. And so they worked together, cross party lines to get things done. But if you look across the country, the party lines, the congressional districts now are 70% Republican, 30% Democrat, or 80% Democrat, 20% Republican. And they're so far apart in the political spectrum that they just there's nothing in common uh, to work on. And so the environment has become pretty hostile right now, probably the most uh, difficult that I've seen in, in my career. There is some hope and some light at the end of the tunnel and some things like, you know, data security and, and things along those lines financial education, financial inclusion. I think you'll see some of those things worked on in this next Congress, but the political environment overall probably been the most difficult that I've seen. Talking about that polarization of Washington, it's not only Washington, it seems like, it's also Main Street. So when you're dealing with NAPQ members, sometimes you're working with people that maybe they don't support politically. Is it difficult to keep that kind of core credit union message when you're talking to people, credit unions that are on both sides of the aisle, let's just say. No, no. And, uh, and, and as you can imagine, uh, credit union folks are not shy. Credit union CEOs are not wallflowers. Uh, they have opinions and strongly held beliefs. And they pick up the phone and they let me know the good things we do and things that we can improve upon. And some of that's in the political arena as well. But we're a bipartisan organization. We had some folks call upset that we met with President Trump. But we're, again, we're bipartisan and to be able to push our agenda and to get our stories across to the administration and to Congress, you have to have those bipartisan meetings. We met with President Obama and President Bush and President Clinton. We do this in a bipartisan standpoint, and that's what we would do. I don't have to agree with people that are uh, in the Oval Office or in, in that seat in Congress, but I believe in the, the credit union industry. I believe in the NAFQ members. I have to tell their stories. I don't care who's holding that seat or that gavel. I have to get our point across and advocate on behalf of NAFQ members in, in the industry. And so that's my focus. And everybody understands that. Once you walk a couple of them off the ledge, that might be a little twerk at me a little bit. 
they understand that from the bipartisan standpoint. Have you noticed a change in credit unions since 2006 when you started? I, th I think they're doing a really good job in, in changing with the times. They're really beginning to look at data. They're really looking at the technology. They're really looking at uh, cybersecurity and data security. So those things have changed uh, over the last decade or so for the good. And you're, you're seeing them because members and, and it's not everybody talks about millennials. Millennials want the Apple Watch so they can go buy their stuff at uh, Whole Foods. Members want all, all these shiny squirrels and bells and whistles and stuff along those lines. But you want to make sure that you have a technology platform that allows them to have that access, which is a lot different than it was 10 years ago. And so the, the problem that credit unions wrestle with is the cybersecurity standpoint, because people do want access to their money. They want it quickly. They want it frictionlessly. And the trouble is, when you make it easy and quick, sometimes those cybersecurity dynamics get a little bit more difficult. And so you have to really keep an eye on, on that side of the ledger as well. I spoke with a member of your team, and this is switching gears, but they use the term servant-style leadership when talking about you. First of all, what does that term mean, and what does it mean to you? Why is it so important? I've seen different definitions of it, but for me, it's genuinely showing that you love and care for your team and your staff. I have the, the best colleagues in the world. They are truly NAFTU's best asset. And so when you take care of your colleagues and you take care of your team, they in turn take incredible care of NAFTU's members. And so we, we take a real focus on providing training opportunities, executive coaching opportunities, things that really help them in their careers, in their personal life, in their professional life. And so I, I think staff and, and, and my colleagues, they recognize when you truly love and care for them, and that matters. And in turn, they love and care for the NAFTA membership. I know it sounds a little hokey, but from the standpoint, you take care of your folks, they in turn take care of the others. They take care of your, your members, right? Absolutely. So I'm a huge fan of your blog, the Burger Leadership blog. It's one of our favorites to pull in on CU Insight. To me, it feels like it's quick hits of information, quick leadership tips, links to other things, you know, things that you've read. What was the motivation behind starting a leadership blog? Well, I read about a book a week, book every two weeks. I alternate between fiction and nonfiction. The nonfiction is usually like process improvement, leadership books, things along those lines. And you always get nuggets. Nothing really new comes out necessarily, but it's always really good reminders. And as a tidbit, say, you know what? I need to try doing that a little bit more often. I should focus on that a little bit more with my colleagues or, or with my board or, or in my personal life and things along those lines. So I, I look for things that I, I find useful for me, hoping it's useful for other people, other CEOs and folks that are uh, plugging into the, the Burger Leadership blog is that, hey, th this helped me reminded me about this. Every once in a while I learned some new tidbits, but usually it reinforces something already new or haven't thought about in quite some time. So yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. So is there something at NAFQ that like your team has heard you say so many times they can finish your sentence as soon as you start to say it? They would probably barf if I said extreme member service again. Uh, we, we talk about it nonstop here. And uh, we're passionate about it. We believe in it. If you take care of your members, that's how we keep the lights on here. People know that we're responsive. They know that we're effective and efficient. And so we call it extreme member service. And again, everybody in this uh, building is empowered to help NAFQ members solve the member's problem. If they're upset about something, fix it. And then put some process in place or SOP in place where it doesn't happen again. So everything's all around extreme member service. So if you asked anybody on my team, what is Dan's catchphrase through the building? It would be extreme member service. <laughs> Has there been a piece of advice or a life lesson that you received maybe earlier on in your career that you just constantly keep going back to? 
The advice that I go back to is something that I learned very young from my grandfather. I won't be as crass as he was. And it says it takes the same amount of energy to be nice as it does to be a jerk. So why not be nice and helpful? And so that's always the component we try to strive for it here. Let's be helpful to folks. Let's be helpful to one another. We're all on the same team. We're all rowing in the same direction. And so that's the reason we work really hard at hiring people with attitude and aptitude. And so if you have the right attitude, everything else fills in itself. That's cool. That's something from grandpa that you still hold on to. So. Grandpa, yeah. So when you run into a problem, there's just something that, you know, you're hitting your head up against the wall on. Is there something that you do to take a look at things from a different direction or step away from it and do something else? I have a nice circle of CEO mentors, not necessarily in the financial services space, but people who are relatively new at it, like myself, people who've been doing it for decades. You know, one of those things, if you sit there and you look at it and I'll bounce things off, Say, hey, did you try this? Uh, what what worked? What did not work? And so I have a sounding board of, of fellow association CEOs. Some of them have seen everything. I mean, some of them, I mean, have seen their industry implode and come back. I mean, they've seen the whole gamut of things, and they really help me, you know, be that sounding board that, that I want. Also, I have a tendency of taking a deep breath and going for walks. <laughs> you know, if something's frustrating, you know, I'll leave and come back and. Uh, grab a cup of coffee and, and try to think things through. But I, I think with the bouncing things off with my fellow senior execs here, people on my management team, as well as other association CEOs has been really helpful to me personally. Yeah, to have that network. Um, if you have a free day, there's nothing on the calendar. What are you doing? There's two things I love to do. One is fly fish. Anytime outside in nature with my feet in the water, fly fishing is good to me, whether it's down in the Florida Keys or in a river up here. Also, I ride a Harley, and so I love getting on my motorcycle, and I'll go visit Credit Union CEOs on my motorcycle and stuff, and so I, I love doing things along those lines. Anything that gets me outdoors. I'm a big lover of the, of the outdoors. That's kind of my balancing act is anything outside. Get some fresh air. Absolutely. As a leader, how do you make sure your message stays fresh to your team, but how does NAPQ's message stay fresh to your member credit unions as well as to Washington? Well, it's things like your podcast here. I mean, it's communicating and telling what you're doing. Everybody knows we're focused on three things, and we talk about it all the time. I talk about it and have for, I guess, three, four years now. We do advocacy, we do education and training, and we do compliance assistance. That's it. If you want all this esoteric pixie dust stuff, there's plenty of other places you can get that kind of stuff. But those are the three things that we focus on, and we talk about it all the time. We have a, a monthly management team meeting. We talk about it there. We have a monthly all-staff meeting. We talk about it there. We talk about it in our communications. We keep our members informed with NAFQ Today and articles through CU Insight and other places talking about the things that we're doing to show them what we're doing. And so we have to communicate that. And that's a responsibility we have to tell my colleagues what we're working on and to tell a membership what we're working on. So we just reiterate it. And, and we're not going to change that focus. I mean, they're going to have to kick me out of this office in, in order to change it. That focus isn't changing. It's advocacy, it's education, and it's compliance assistance. We're not going to change that focus. That's what the CEOs have asked for. That's what our members are asking for. That's what my board of directors demands of me. That's all we're going to be focused on. Very cool. All right. So now we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, we wrap up every show with some rapid fire questions. The questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. Cool. Any daily routines that if you just don't do, your day feels off? I'm going to keep saying, for me, it's journaling. I should be sponsored by Moleskin. Maybe if I keep mentioning it, they'll send me one. <laughs> but is there something for you that you just have to do every day? 
I have to work out. Okay. I get up in the morning and have coffee and, and a little breakfast, and then I, I work out for 45 minutes an hour. I get up early, you know, 5, 5.30, and I, I, I get it done. And it just, I, I'll do cardio on a row machine or on the uh, treadmill for about a half hour, and then I lift weights for another 20, 30 minutes. But I have to, if I don't work out, I don't feel right for the rest of the day. I need to get in that habit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this one I didn't, I don't send out there because I want it to just be top of mind. First person you think of when you hear the word success, who is it? Wow. For success, probably the CEO of MasterCard and in, in the transformation that he's done. Ajay's done a magnificent job with transforming that company into a technology company. It's not just a payments company. It's not just a payment processing company. It's a technology company. And to watch him operate and, and change the culture and everything uh, at MasterCard, I, I think has been fascinating to watch. I'll have to look more into that. Maybe a month ago or so, I listened to a podcast that the CEO of Walmart was on. And, you know, he talked about that they're a digital company. You yep. know, they're not a brick and mortar retailer. They're a digital company. So that transformation that all these companies have to make, I guess. But it's interesting you say that. I've spoken at board of director meetings at credit unions. And we'll sit there and we'll talk about what they're looking for in the future. And you've seen some young, dynamic CEOs coming out there really going, you know what? We're not a credit union anymore. We are a financial services technology company with credit union mission. Okay. He or she is trying to change the thought process and the culture within that credit union. Going, We're a financial services technology company that has a credit union mission. And so that just changes it. Everybody wants to explore new ways to provide services. Everything's digital. They're looking at their online platform, their mobile platform, their wearable technology. And so it's just a completely different mindset. And on top of it, it actually helped in their recruiting too. So when they're putting ads out there, hey, come work for a financial services technology company is more appealing to a 22-year-old technologist than maybe a credit union would be. And so I found that really fascinating. And I think if I were CEO of a credit union, I would preach that. I would say, hey, we're a technology company with a credit union mission. And uh, I would probably talk about that a little bit just to get that mindset where they're being innovative and they're looking at new technologies and they're looking at new ways to service their membership. I kind of like that thought process a little bit. That's pretty cool. The random question, what's the best album of all time, front to back? Tom Petty's, Damn the Torpedoes, front to back. <laughs> I can't get tired of listening to him. My hometown musician. Oh, is, he's from Gainesville? Or Gainesville, yeah. yep. All right. <laughs> After he passed, the song that I kept listening to was Wildflowers. Yeah. It's a fantastic song. It's a great song. I uh, When he passed away, Matthew Pack actually had an auction. The folks at Chartway, Federal Credit Union, donated a signed guitar they had Tom Petty and all the Heartbreakers who signed on it. Uh, I am now the owner of that guitar. <laughs> uh, to kind of circle back to something you'd mentioned earlier, you're a reader. So, you know, generally a book a week. Is there a book over the course of life or maybe even just recently that you've either gifted or that everybody should read, you know, that book that you talk about over and over and over again? Stephen Covey, anything by Stephen Covey is good. And then anything by John Spence. Those are the two that I recommend the most. They write it in a way that you can apply. There's a lot of really esoteric, real high level leadership books out there that are good and they're fine, but I like when they're broken down in examples in what if scenarios. Hey, if this happens, these are some things that you should uh, consider doing. That's helpful to me. To read a bunch of scientific information and data, that's fine, but how to apply it in certain scenarios and situations, that's what I find helpful. And so those books, anything by Stephen Covey, anything by John Spence is broken down in a way uh, that's digestible, quite frankly. Is there one that you would recommend that listeners start with? Awesomely Simple by John Spence. 
it's a, it's a terrific book, and it's done in a way that you can understand it. Um, he's got a lot of research, you know, does a lot of training uh, with CEOs of Fortune 500 companies around the world. And so he's seen it all. He's heard it all. And I mean, he's helped us here at NAFQ in some of the stuff and growth and things along those lines. He helped us with the strategic planning. And, and so he's seen it all. And so he really helps us and, and helps me personally with, with the blind spots that everybody has or every company has. So to find a, a book that really breaks things down that you can utilize in everyday life at your association or your company, I find that helpful. So kind of last question in here, as you've gotten older, has anything become more important to you and has anything become less? My family has become more important. I have a 14-year-old daughter. I rarely uh, miss, uh, she's very athletic. She's a straight A student, but really focusing on her and those things. I, I take my job very seriously at NAFQ uh, and I, I love my job. But I make a concerted effort not to miss her dive meets or tennis matches. And, and that's a part of my life that I truly enjoy. I find it absolutely nerve wracking watching her compete, but I wouldn't miss it for anything in the world. It's one of my favorite things uh, to do. What would I tell myself at, at 25 years old is to continue to reinforce, be nice and helpful to folks. And, and I think when people start off in their careers, I think they have a tendency sometimes to be overly aggressive and it's kind of the me, me, me to get to the next level and things along those lines. But I have really seen across my career, the more that I helped my boss, the more that I helped my boss look good, it's a win. You look good and your boss looks good. So it's a twofer. And so those things early in the career, I wish I would learn that a little bit sooner. But I, I think really do your job right away. Do it with excellence. If you're in charge of making copies and coffee at an office, Make the damn best coffee you can and the damn best Xerox copies that you can make and be the best at it and then just keep moving on. We've all had terrible jobs, okay? We've had it. You're going to have to do it anyway, so you might as well do it with a positive attitude and do it with excellence. That's your reputation. So if you have a reputation with a strong work ethic and that you don't do it, you know, half-assed, you give it 100% all the time, people notice that and they recognize that. And I think that's important. The last question, probably the most important. What does the B stand for? Brian. Brian Daniel Berger. My managing editor, John, actually guessed it's Brian, I bet. So, yep. <laughs> okay. The last thing, you know, thank you again for taking the time and being on the, the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun. Do you have any final asks of our listeners or any final thoughts? For the listeners, for the credit union folks out there, keep taking care of your members. Stay focused on your members and your community and everything else will work out itself. And then you'll have, you know, NAFU up here in Washington, D.C. being your Washington watchdog taking care of the rest for you. But take care of your members and take care of your communities and everything else will work out. That's fantastic. Everything we talked about we'll link to in the article below. Is B. Dan Berger on Twitter the best way if people have additional questions or email? How do you want people to get a hold of you? Sure. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. People can feel free. My email and, and phone number is on our website. So anybody wants to contact me and talk uh, issues or policy or membership or whatever, uh, I'm on the nafq.org website. Visit. Fantastic. We'll link to all your contact information below as well. So again, Dan, thank you very much for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, and I will see you soon down the road. I look forward to it. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. This is my first podcast, oh, man. You did great. I greatly appreciate it, though, Dan. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite, man. I appreciate all it. All right. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. 